There's so many unknowns in this day. And uh, the world, by the unknowns, they, they are in panic. And even a Christian often, I told someone while I was sick and I was struggling, I had a couple days there struggling, and I told somebody, I said, look, I, I'm afraid, I'm prepared to die. I'm prepared to die. That's not the problem. The problem is the unknown. And I'd like to know if I was going to die, I'd at least like to know it, you know. <laughs> it's sitting there wondering if you are going to die. That's a little bit of a struggle in it. And so the unknowns can be uh, often very troubling even for the Christian of not knowing uh, things and what the Lord's doing sometimes. But now the, uh, the world, they don't know. They're in complete disarray, are they not? I mean, they have no, uh, the Lord has knocked out everything from underneath them uh, that they were propped up on. Um, and really, in some ways, the Lord has done that to us also. I mean, what have we been left with? But confidence in Jesus Christ. That is, that's all we have. I, I, I mean, there's, I mean, if we had any confidence in men, we don't now. I don't, if you had any confidence in a doctor, you sure shouldn't now. And that's no knock on doctors now. I'm not trying to, but as far as their ability to bring about any, I mean, we have nothing but God left, right? The personalities of preachers aren't helping anybody, Right? In fact, most of the preachers are fighting about whether you should go to church or whether you shouldn't. And they shouldn't. They shouldn't be. And they're back and forth. about what, you know, what do we have left but Jesus? That's all we've got left. And that's a good place to be, isn't it? And I just hate the Lord has to do that oftentimes to send things into our life to get us to refocus. Um, and and uh, that's the way I'm taking this. I'm trying to use, um, take this that's come upon us as a church and as a nation and as individuals and let it uh, build and strengthen my confidence in Jesus. Um, and that's what I, I want to look at. So if you'll just pray with me this morning, I, I, I just I don't really have much of an outline. I was not able to really outline this. It was very difficult for me to just really focus um, and your memory of being able to remember verses and, and being able to run references in your brain uh, is not working properly. So I'm just going to go to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in chapter number 10. And... Um, Try to look at this this morning. If you're um, struggling, maybe you're lost this morning. This is what you need to see above anything else in this world. Um, pay a special attention this morning if you are unsure about your salvation or um, if you know that you're lost. Um, I know that's a troubling place to be in, but um, that's a good, that's an okay place to be is to know that you're lost. It's, uh, and I say that carefully because obviously you want to be saved, but um, you know a lot more than some people know. There's people in hell that would like to have realized uh, and responded uh, the way that you may have an opportunity to do today. Um, so uh, what you need to look at when you see that you're lost, 
And the Bible is illuminating our mind. He, he mentions that in Hebrews chapter number 10 uh, and talks a little bit about that later on. Hopefully we'll get to it. But um, one of the things he illuminates your mind to is your insufficiencies and what you are. Um, and then you see what Jesus is and who Jesus is. And those are two things you need to see. And so we'll look just a little bit this morning. I, I really wanted to focus in on the end of the chapter, but I, I just can't get away from this first portion. And so we may stay here. But uh, I want to begin our reading in the first verse um, here in Hebrews chapter number 10. Well, let me back up a little bit. Let's get chapter 9, a little bit of chapter 9. Because here's, I can't go without uh, mentioning this verse that kind of leads into chapter 10. Um, let's see. Start in chapter 9 of the book of Hebrews. And um, start at verse number 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. These are such great verses. Hey, we'd do all right if we just read this morning, wouldn't we? And so he said, Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are figures of the true. Now he's going to start out and talk about a shadow in chapter 1 of verse 10. And here he references them as a figure. And so they're not the things of the Old Testament, of course, and the tabernacle and the priesthood and the, and the, uh, the incense and the showbread and the Ark of the Covenant and the priesthood and the veils and the cherubims that are over the, the mercy seat and all these various things that are mentioned, he says, are figures of the true, right? And so they're not the very image themselves. And so we know those things. We know that Christ is a fulfillment of all of those Old Testament figures and pictures. And we know what a picture is. You know, a picture is something that you can look at to identify the actual individual, right? And so if somebody was, um, the, if Brother Gary was looking for a suspect, if he had a picture of that man, he could come to us and say, have you seen this man? Okay, if you haven't, well, if you do, here's my number, call me. So he don't even have to leave you the picture. You've got a picture in your mind of what that man looks like. And so you're sitting here and somebody like Tyler looking comes walking in who's wanted for whatever he's wanted for. But on that picture and you say, hey, that man looks a lot like that picture that I saw. And so that was, that's the, what he's talking about here. When Moses was given the pattern of things to make uh, on earth, they're heavenly, they're resemblances of the heavenly, of the true, right? They're not just random crazy things to get people to live right. They are a picture, an image of the true that shall come, who brother uh, be in reference for us. He that shall come, okay? And so uh, he is the... the image of the person of God, right? Hebrews started out uh, mentioning that uh, he is the express image of his person. And so God, uh, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of those things from uh, all the offerings where three times a year all the males would get together and uh, then you have the uh, once a year there's an offering made and uh, Jesus is the propitiation and the priest the offering and the offer and he's the king. Amen. And so he is the fulfillment of everything. He 
he is the substance and the subject of this King James Bible. And, uh, and, and who you need to see, if you're lost this morning, you do need to get a glimpse and a picture of yourself that you are lost without God and insufficient to make up the difference. But who you need to see in order to be saved is this man named Jesus who fulfilled everything on your behalf and has appeared in the presence of God for you. And so that's what the book, the writer here, who many believe is Paul, and some say, you know, maybe others, and so I won't get into that, but let's assume it is Paul. And and so Paul's wanting us to see here that the Old Testament pictures of things uh, were just an image. They bear the image of the heavenly. And so Christ has not entered into the Holy of Holies that was in that tabernacle when the veil was rent in twain from top to bottom, right? He's entered into the Holy of Holies of Holies of Holies, which is in heaven, right? The real, true of what uh, was made on earth in the picture, in the image. And so, uh, and that's what the book of Hebrews is about, a better sacrifice, a better Savior. Uh, all Everything's better, right, in the book of Hebrews. And so, what he wants us to see here this morning is verse number 25. Let's continue our reading. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. And so he's showing that the, the sacrifices and the offerings here. Uh, and you know what this, you know what this, uh, you, you know what this chapter uh, did for me when I read this first part of this chapter. Uh, this chapter helped build my confidence in Christ. I mean, this, this chapter helped build my confidence in eternal security, if you want to put it that way. Uh, that you're once saved, always saved. It, uh, uh, and helped to assure me, and I hope it maybe does you, maybe you're struggling with the assurance of your salvation. That's a, a very serious place to be in. That's a, a very um, dangerous place for some people. Uh, I've heard many testify of uh, uh, just emotionally and physically how the, the, the what was uh, going on in their life when they were trying to get assurance from the Lord about whether or not they're saved. And that's very important. God wants you to have that. He wants you to know whom you have believed. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know that you're his. That's a very important thing. And so this chapter will help us with that, but it'll also help you to see who you need to see if you're lost this morning. And so anyhow, let's move on now. And so not that he should offer himself often, and then verse number 26, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. That's where the Catholics are wrong. There's no need for any more offerings. Christ appeared once in the end of the world and by the sacrifice of himself put away sins forever. One offering, one man by the blood of himself, he's able to save to the uttermost all that come to God by him. And you cannot take away the the universality of the atonement. Christ came and gave himself a ransom for how many? Only those that were chosen before the foundation of the world? No, for all. He gave himself a ransom for you. That, so I, I don't know whether I'm elect or not. I don't Listen, you need, to, you need to put all that out of your mind and just believe the Bible. The Bible said that Christ died for the sins of all mankind. And that doesn't mean that his atonement wasn't efficient enough. And because it didn't accomplish it in the person that wouldn't believe, it's because it wasn't mixed with faith. And then they heard it. 
So we see the cause of why people are not saved. It's not because his salvation or his offering was not enough for them. It was that they won't believe it. Right? right? And so just believe the Bible. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world have he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Verse number 27, Hebrews chapter number 9. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was how many times? Once offered. No priest turns any wine and any bread into the blood and body of Jesus. Right? Right? That's, a, that's heresy, that's foolishness, that's crazy, uh, that's illogical, it's unbiblical, and it's ungodly. Christ offered himself once, and that was enough. He was able to say, it is finished. So that whosoever will, let him come. That's why, that's why, in that, that's why he is able to cry out and say, uh, when, they, when, when they kept uh, uh, time and time again, he would, um, they were trying to figure out who he was. And they say, well, uh, would, would we know who he is if he was here? Because can anything good come out of Nazareth? And, and, and they were always trying to figure out. And he would just stand up and say, he that's a thirsty, let him come and drink. Because he was available to all, all men. And say, well... I don't know this morning. I, I'm lost and uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know if God would ever save me. I don't, uh, I don't know. I, maybe I've done things that are, are, are too. Listen, not a sin in the, in the life of a human being sitting on the pews in this church this morning is a surprise to God. God knew what you were, who you were, where you, where you are, and what you've done and what you will do. And the Bible said he gave himself as sin for all men. He gave himself once, appeared once in the end of the world, and to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And that includes yours and mine. Amen. So, well, I've gone too far. Well, I, I, I don't know if God tells you. I, I don't know about all that. Why would God tell you you've gone too far? I don't even know how much that makes any sense. You're still alive and you, can, and you have the ability to believe the gospel and repent of your sin. And God is dealing with your heart about salvation. I'll say come and drink. Don't, don't fool yourself. You're not that important. Sometimes we hold ourselves up a little higher and we... You're, you're, this is about as important as I know that you are. You're important enough for God to leave the throne of heaven and put aside all of that that he knew with the Father and come into the sin-cursed world and die a horrible death so that you could go free. Amen. To take upon himself that he might be a faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God. God wanted to be made just like you. I thought about this verse. Brother ben, I touched God. You think about that. The Bible says we we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling. So you know what he thought about when he saw me and he saw me lost and he saw me trying my best to do better and trying to uh, trying to say the right prayers and trying to go through all the rituals and, and trying to justify myself before God. You know what he saw? He saw me suffering through all that. He was touched with my feelings of my infirmities. You've touched the heart of God this morning. Isn't that something? You, you can touch. You, yeah, he, he needs to touch you, but you've touched him. Now, think about this now. I'm, I'm trying to get somewhere as quick as I can. 
Well, let's, let's, let's just go on. Uh, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Uh, isn't that all what Isaiah is about? That my righteous servants shall justify many. Isn't that wonderful? So what, what am I going to do, preacher? I, what, what am I going to do if I'm lost? What, what am I going to do this morning if I'm saved and, and, and everything's being, uh, being uh, knocked out from under me? And I've got, You're just going to look unto Jesus. You're going to look to him who was given on your behalf. You're going to need to see Jesus this morning. And, 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 and if you're lost, if I, could, if I could encourage you to do anything, I, I know your sins are black. I know your sins are dirty. I mean, in the mind of all of us, before we got saved, uh, we, we felt like we were the chiefest of sinners. I, I don't know if you felt that way, but I certainly did. I thought I was about the worst there was to come. These people were probably a lot worse than me. But in my eyes, I was the worst there was. <laughs> And I know you feel that way, and I'm not, I'm not making light of that. Your sins are black. Your sins are terrible. And they have separated you between you and your God. But what you need to see, the only remedy for that is not self-loathing and pity. It's looking to Jesus and himself as a propitiation to do away with those sins by faith in his blood. To declare at this time his righteousness, which is faith in the atoning <laughs> blood of Jesus Christ for your sins. And you know, uh, look here at these next verses. Boy, if we could, if we could get, uh, boy, if I could just get you to do anything this morning, if I could just get you to see Jesus, if the Lord would open your mind and open your eyes enough, and I'm telling you there's people that struggle, uh, Brother Allen, we've talked about this, where they struggle with salvation, and they look and they say, well, did I repent of all my sins? Did I, did I turn from this one? I, forget, I don't know if I remembered that one. And, uh, uh, did, I, uh, did, did I really trust him? Uh, uh, what did I say that night? Did I really trust him? And, 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 and did I do this? Did I, did, did I, do I really love the brethren enough? Do I really love the Word of God enough? Do I really love this. And, you, and, and, and all you hear out of their mouth is what all they have done. And my insufficiencies and, 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 and was my, 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 my prayer that night, was it as sincere? And, and, and they keep looking and they keep looking at themselves and they keep looking at but what, you, what you need to see, not just to get saved, but in the assurance of your salvation, it rests in one place and that's in the bosom of Jesus Christ and in his person alone. You can't say enough prayers. You can't cry enough tears. You must turn from yourself. You can't go through every sin. Lord in heaven, there's sins we committed we didn't even realize we committed before we got saved. I believe Mitchell said it best when he said that repentance is agreeing with God against yourself. Everything that you are, it's not just your sins, it's your deeds. You can't do good enough. You can't be bad enough. You can, nothing involving yourself is sufficient enough to justify you to God. And so if you're going to have the assurance, my assurance doesn't rest. I know that I'm saved. I don't know if I've doubted it much uh, in my Christian life, but I can say this. So I can't really feel much empathy with you in that manner, but I can say this to you. I have assurance, not in because of what I am. I don't know that I'm saved because I got off dope. I don't know that I'm saved because I quit cussing or I quit drinking liquor. I know I'm saved because Jesus Christ took up residency in my heart. I know I'm saved because I know Jesus. 
I have a relationship with him. I walk with him. I talk with him. He tells me I'm his own. That's how I know I'm saved this way. I know I'm saved because of who Jesus is. Not because of who I am or who I'm not. And man, you better rest in that. Because when, when, when life throws what Job went through at you in pieces, and God allows things to come into your life, you won't be able to have confidence in anything or anybody, including yourself. And the writer of Hebrews is going to go on to tell us, and I'm going to get ahead of myself, but he's going to go on to tell us not to back up from that confidence. What confidence? Or the confidence that you know you can do it? No. The confidence that I know he has done it. And I'm a sorry Christian. I, I, I still feel like about the chief, the chief of sorriness now instead of the chief of sinners. But you know, I laid my head down on my pillow at night and I rest as easy as I possibly can because I know this much. I know he's not a failure. I know he's not sorry. And I committed to him and he's keeping it because he's faithful, not me. And if you're unsure about your salvation and you're, I want to encourage you. Now, I, I, I don't have any problem with self-examination. I don't have any problem with, with uh, uh, noticing things about yourself that are maybe not lining up with the scriptures and, and, and cause you to self-examine. And those things are, are, are not bad. But don't you ever doubt the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to doubt yourself. I have a lot of doubts about myself. <laughs> But there's one thing I don't have, kind of like that leper said, if you just will, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, I don't doubt your ability, God. And I, I know your sacrifice was enough for me. And I cast myself lock, stock, and barrel upon the atonement of Jesus and his resurrection for my justification. I have no hope outside of Jesus and what he's done and who he is. And neither do you if you're, un, if you're unsure or you're unsaved. The only hope that you have for rest and peace and assurance is to come and drink of this man named Jesus. And out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And I say glory to God, hallelujah for Jesus today. Because he's all we got, he's all we need, he's all we're going to have for eternity. And we better start realizing now our hope's not in, in, uh, in the, um, the hope's not in the constitution of this constitutional republic. Our hope's not in the presidency. Our hope's not in the Supreme Court. Our hope's in, and I want all those things to go right, believe you me. Uh, but my hope lies, I plainly want to say to this world through my life that I seek another country, that I don't belong here. I'm a suffering stranger. I'm, a, I'm the, the plight of the pilgrim. I'm the, I'm the, I'm just, I'm the, I'm the, the, uh, the suffering, the, the uh, suffering foreigner and stranger who doesn't belong here. I'm peculiar to this world. And I want to say to them, there's a world and there's a, in another realm, just as real as the one we're living in that has cast a shadow of good things to come. And uh, I want to talk about that just a minute. Look at verse number one of chapter number 10. Uh, for the law having a shadow of good things to come. You know what, Michaela, I was thinking about this. The law is a shadow of good things. Now, how many of you, 
not everybody can see up here, but it, it catches my eye often because it's so big. But there's, <laughs> there's a shadow down here on this floor from this light up here. And it covers a pretty big area. But uh, the law has a shadow of what? Good things to come. So, in order to have a shadow, you have to have an object, and not a transparent object, right? I mean, it has to be a, an object, and then you have to have light. Am I right? You've you got to have a source of light to cast a shadow. And so, I got to thinking about that verse, and thinking about now the law having a shadow of good things to come. Now, would you say that Jesus is the shadow. And so I started just in my mind, started thinking about that. And so here's just what I think, and it's no great light, but I, I just was thinking about this. The law is a shadow of good things. So the object would be the good things. And you know who's casting the light? That's Jesus. Jesus is the light. And, it's, and what we are seeing, and, 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 and that shadow is cast so wide because the closer you put that object to the source of light is the bigger the object gets. Is that not right? The bigger the shadow would be. Right? You, if you're, anybody ever done those hand puppet things where they, you got a light shining and you make little figures on the wall? The closer you get, the bigger it gets on the wall. And so those good things to come are heavenly things. And where's Jesus seated? But on the right hand of God in the heavenlies. And he's casting a light on these good things that are to come. And all their lifetime, they saw these things in the offering. They saw the innocency of these pure animals and their blood being offered as an atonement for their sins. But it was offered continually. There is a remembrance every year. And, and so what he's saying here is the priest would often stand and sometimes offering, making the same offering. It never did take away the sin. And so what the writer here is going to tell us and help us to see if you're lost this morning or if you're struggling with salvation and if you're not in either one of those groups, you ought to just be shouting for Jesus. Your sin problem was answered in Jesus. And I know that's simple, but if you can just lay hold of that thought, let's read on just a little bit and then we're going to have to. So the law was having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of those things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. And that's what, and I would have to say, uh, just in my opinion, now don't attack me for this, but I think this is talking about the matter of sin when it includes perfection. Now remember we said, talked some about, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, being perfect and sinless and how often uh, they can not mean the exact same thing, though men use them interchangeably. Uh, here I believe that is talking about perfect, as perfect as a person could ever get perfect. As perfect as Jesus is. Making the comers thereunto perfect. It could not answer the sin problem. And so that's what he's talking about here. I believe that's because he's going to go on and say that Jesus has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now, this is what I believe. You can disagree with me if you want to. But I believe when Jesus sees me, he does not see a sinner. 
I believe Clint Boyer's sins were answered at Calvary by the blood of Jesus. And they were many. And you want to know how many sins I'm talking about, Tyler? I'm talking about all of them. And I don't boast in that to try to... I don't mean that to sound irreverent. But... I believe when he sees us and he sees Jesus. And so what he's saying here is that wasn't the case in these offerings in the law because there's constantly a reminder of sin. And the sins were never taken away. It wasn't possible by the blood of bulls and goats. And so he's going to go on and talk about that. Let's try to read through it a little quicker. But I believe the sin problem, if you're saved this morning, I believe your sins, which were and are and shall be many, were washed away in the blood of Jesus. And if there's anything we ought to be shouting about this morning, it's the fact that our sins are gone. And they're gone not because of my faith. They're not gone because of anything but the grounds of the fact that Jesus Christ was a perfect sinless sacrifice. And he completely and totally satisfied the just demands of a holy God. And God was pleased with the sacrifice of Jesus. And he is totally appeased in his wrath towards me. And so when he sees me, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees a son. And uh, that doesn't mean we don't answer for him here. He's going to deal with that at the end of the chapter and have to deal with sin, sin's consequences here. But look at verse number two. For then would they have ceased to be offered because the worshippers once purged should have done no more conscious of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. And then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book as is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. And so can we say that he took away the first, which was, which was condemnation and sin and guilt, and he took away the remembrance, and he took away the reminder, and he took away the conscience of sins, and he took those away and replaced it with, I come to do thy will, O God. So when he sees me, he sees one who's done the will of God. That's what happened on the... The, 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 uh, the curse that was pronounced in the Old Testament upon those that broke the law and the blessing upon those that kept the law. We all haven't, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God or guilty of breaking the whole law. And Christ has fulfilled all the law. And so there's an exchange made in your life where the guilty becomes the innocent, where the innocent became the guilty. 
and where all your sins that you're talking about that are, that are causing you to wonder whether or not you're saved and causing you to doubt uh, your position with Christ and causing you so much turmoil in your life and maybe rightfully so. Maybe you are lost without God. That's not my place. My place is just to point to Jesus this morning. So those things I don't know, but this much I can say. All those sins that are causing you turmoil and doubt and fear and worry and and all of those things that are haunting you, even sins this morning of saved people that we know are under the blood, it still causes us sorrow that we can. All of those sins, God said, I will remember against them no more. What does he remember about you? He remembers you as doing the will of God. Now that's a holy thought for such unholy people. That ought to just take, I get out of breath. You think I was out of shape before I had COVID. It's bad now. But I could just, Brother Ben, I I could just leap for joy this morning thinking about how condemned and dirty and filthy and unable and unknowing and all the the insufficiencies of that time of, of, of my being, all the wretchedness of who I was. And to sit here and think this morning that when God Almighty, the holy creator God of heaven sees me, he sees me as one who did the will of God. I did not earn that. I didn't deserve that. But by faith, I just plunged myself unto Jesus. I just ran unto Jesus for refuge. I fled unto him. And I now, the, the horribleness of what the reality of my life really was is hid with Christ in God. And I don't know what will whisper sweet peace into your ear like knowing that when God sees you, he sees the perfection of his son. I hope that helps you some today. It just caused my heart to just rejoice. There wasn't an offering. There wasn't a priest sufficient. There wasn't a, a prayer that could be prayed. Uh, a, a, a turtle dove that could be offered. There's absolutely zero hope for the soul of a man outside of the person of Jesus. And I hope and pray this morning, if there's anything, I hope you, if you're lost this morning, you can see at least one thing, that you can see that what Jesus did when he died for the sins of this world 2,000 years ago was just as capable of saving you today as it was in saving those that were alive when they saw him die. His blood is just as sufficient for you to cover your sins and just as sufficient as it was and as sufficient as it should be to cover the sins of a Hitler or any other man in this world that's committed horrible tragedies. The blood of Jesus is certainly capable of cleansing the sins of all of mankind. Jesus is enough. And so this man once, when he appeared, one time, what those priests stood for thousands and thousands of years, standing and offering, you imagine the blood of the innocent animals that were spilled. I mean, can you imagine how many times a year, how many times a day something had to be offered and sprinkled and prayers said just to try to appease, and it never did get rid of it. 
And this one man leaves the throne of heaven and comes into this sin-cursed world and bosomed into the womb of a little virgin girl and was born of that virgin and was that holy child that was of the Holy Ghost was God from the very day, very moment of conception. He was always God and he was born and he was reared and he increased in strength and he increased and then he come to that place when he shall come to Calvary and he said for this cause came I into this world and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost and said Father forgive them for they know not what they do and cried out it's finished from the cross went into the heart of the earth three days and three nights and came up out of that grave with victory over hell and death and has the keys and went and ascended to the Father and made an atonement for your sins in the very presence of God and I believe blood was sprinkled on the holy things in heaven just like they were sprinkled on earth. Except for it was the atoning blood of God himself. Untainted by any curse of mankind. And that is enough to get you to heaven when you die. That's enough to give you peace when you sit here as a sinner knowing you'll probably sin tomorrow as much as you don't want to. You'll fail God tomorrow as bad as you don't want to. And sitting here knowing what you are and have been, you can have deep settled peace in your soul because of what Jesus did on Calvary. It was enough, Brother Ben. And now he's going to appear a second time without sin. For those that look for him, shall he appear? And I'm telling you, he's coming, and he'll appear without sin. What do you mean he had sin the first time? Without dealing with the sin problem. The sin issue was took care of on Calvary. There remaineth no more offering. He's not coming back, and there'll be no offering for those that are alive after him, after he comes back the second time. There was one time, one offering sufficient to save all of mankind. Boy, that excites me. I'm in on it, Brother Jones. I'm in on it. And when I see him a second time, my sins are gone. He remembers them against me no more. And he's not coming for that purpose. He's coming for salvation. And he, when he comes, well, we got to go home. I really wanted to get, maybe we'll go here tonight. Can we finish our reading? Verse number nine, he said, I come to do thy will. He taketh away the first, he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Aren't you glad it was enough? I don't know if you recite the right prayer and go down the Romans road or the Ephesians way or the... (laughs) Listen, I don't know about some of that stuff, but this much I do know. Any repenting sinner that will trust Jesus Christ and believe on him can be saved. I don't know a lot. There's not a whole lot I do know. But I know this much. There's a willing Savior. If there's a repenting, willing sinner, and those two get together, there'll be an immaculate conception. And what will be born is something that's never been born before, a new creature. Created after God, 
You start thinking about what you are, Christian. Hey, I hope I, I'm done preaching, but I hope I can encourage you some. If you're unsaved, can I just get you to do something? Can I just get you to stop for a moment and start considering all that Jesus is? Can you look to Jesus? If you're lost and you, and you go through all those things and you say, well, I, I've been down there so many times and I've done this so many times. All I know and encourage to tell you to do is I'd keep drawing nigh to God. I'd keep seeking God until I got what I was looking for. I wouldn't settle for the peace that some man had to offer me. I would settle only, I would not settle for short of anything short of the divine intervention of God. And God assuring you in your soul that you're his child. Just keep seeking him. Keep looking to him. Because everything that he's done is fully sufficient for what you need this morning. He's enough. I, I, I guess I'm done. I, and every priest standeth daily, ministering, offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Why? No more offerings need to be made. His work is done. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, Brother Jones, I'm not 100% sure of this. I don't think there was a chair in the tabernacle. I don't believe there was any place for them to sit down because their work was never done. Can you imagine the vast number? Imagine how many offerings needed to be made for your sins this week. Today. I'd be offering up several just in case of the ones I knew tomorrow was going to probably hold. Imagine the despair persons were in. Similar to maybe where you are if you're unsure about your salvation. There was just a constant reminder, a constant. But when you can look and you can see how Jesus was able to sacrifice himself one time and then sit down having accomplished eternal redemption for any man that will believe it, you can rest easy and have peace in your soul. You've got to rest in who Jesus is and not who you're not. I hope that helps you. And he sat down expecting his enemies to be made his footstool for by one offering. Look how many times in this chapter it said once. One. Whereof the Holy Ghost is also a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant I'll make with them in those days, saith the Lord, I'll put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I'll write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where the remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. There's nothing else that needs to be done. The work of reconciling you to God has been accomplished. The question is, do you believe on Jesus? That's the question. What he's done has been sufficient. His offering, the, the quality of the offering, the, the, the quantity of its ability to save the whole world. Everything that Jesus did in his death, his burial, and his resurrection was sufficient. And he stands in the presence of God for you right now as a sufficient high priest over the house of God, over the church, his people. 
And so the question is, is your sufficiency lying in what you have done or how you've not responded or how you've... The question is just... Or are you solely resting in who Jesus is and what he's done? That's what I want to ask you this morning. And uh, bow your head just a moment, if you would please, for me. And just remain seated, if you would. Brother Reed's going to come with Miss Snow and give you an opportunity, if you need to come. Some 2,000 years ago, God himself came in the person of Jesus Christ and condemned sin in the flesh for you. He hung on the cross and the iniquity of us all was laid upon him. And the Bible says he took upon us, he took upon himself, having no sin whatsoever, he took upon himself the sins of the whole world and became sin for you. Who never knew sin, perfectly kept the law and satisfied God for you, was buried, death couldn't hold him, and he came up out of the grave and ascended into the presence of a holy God and sprinkled his blood, making an atonement for your sin. And if you'll believe in that and who he is, you can be saved this morning. So I just want to ask you as they sing, ask yourself this, if you're lost or if you're struggling, do you believe on the name of Jesus Christ? Do you believe on him? Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for all of us that are saved. I want to thank you. It's been a rough year, Lord. It's been a last Sunday of the year, and it's been a trying time. But I can say this, Lord, if I've ever been able to say it, you've been faithful. And I want to thank you for the faithfulness of God in dealing with sinners this morning. I ask you to deal with them in great conviction and help them for a moment as you did us. You helped us to see Jesus. Help them this morning to see Jesus. We'll love you and thank you for all you do. In his name we pray. Amen. Brother Reed's going to sing. If you'll just remain seated a moment. If you need to come, you come.